to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seek to fail to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said, I have sworn my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage, he said, They shall not enter my rest. Since, therefore, it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day today. Saying through David so long afterward, the words already quoted, today we hear his voice, do not pardon your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on, so that there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must Let's pray. God, as we as we end this year, as we look forward to the next, God, we do long for your rest. God, our, our race is long, and we are tired, and you know, pressing on is hard. You call us to endure, you call us to press on. We know to do that, we need your word. God, we are easily deceived, so easily foolish. We turn away from your word and trust the lies of sin and this world, the evil one. God, we need your word to pierce our hearts, to convict us, to lead us into your rest. God, we long for rest from our works as you have from yours. God, your work was finished on the cross, and we trust in your completed work. Help us to treasure your work, love your work more and more, and to press on in faith. Be with us this morning. Teach us to pray.
Israel in the wilderness. In chapter 3, verse 19, we see that they were unable to enter God's rest. Why? Because of unbelief. So the author of Hebrews says in, in 411, don't be like the Israelites in the wilderness because their failure to trust, to believe, kept them out of God's rest. Instead, they perished in the wilderness. Because of their failure to believe what? Well, look at, look at chapter 4, verse 2. He writes, good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. So we see that the Israelites did not believe the message, the news, the word that was given to them. They did not believe God's message that he would deliver them from Egypt and protect them in the wilderness and lead them to the promised land. Instead, the Israelites complained. They sought to return to Egypt and rebel against entering the promised land. And they wandered in the desert for 40 years, all over the and so there's a clear link, then, between chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. We must strive to enter God's rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. And verse 2 tells us that disobedience is not believing in the message of the word that they heard. They received the good news of God's word just as we have, but it did not profit them. And they instead perished because they did not believe God's word. So then, when verse 11 says, strive to enter that rest, what it's saying is strive to hear the word, the good news, and to believe it, and embrace it, and treasure it, so that you will not fall in disobedience, and you don't rebel, and complain, and seek to return to slavery and sin. So in verse 11, be diligent to hear and believe the word, the good news, and then verse 12. For, because... Word of God is living and active. So be sure you know and trust the Word of God. The good news of God's promises and forgiveness in verse 12. Yes, because this word, this good news, living and active. This passage is an argument for why we should strive to enter God's rest by hearing and believing God's Word. So let's look at verse 12. He writes, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, discerning thoughts and intentions of the heart. Now, uh, the words here that are chosen are probably very intentional, and, and you could probably spend time considering the language, right? Uh, soul and spirit, joints and marrow. Um, but I want to focus on the big picture, and, and the main idea of verse 12 is that God's word pierces deeply and discerns or makes judgment about what is underneath in the heart, what it finds there. We've already seen that the goal of this passage is to encourage us to strive to enter God's rest by hearing, believing, and obeying God's word. And so verse 12, then, is his first reason for why we should strive. And I think it's very important that we remember what's at stake. We're dealing with eternal life or eternal death here. And the great danger is unbelief. 
Remember chapter 3, verse 19. They could not enter because of unbelief. We must treasure God's word because it is our greatest protection against unbelief in the promises of God. The word of God pierces to the bottom of all of our defenses and deceptions and exposes belief or unbelief. It reveals whether we are truly trusting God's promises or not. And we know God's word. We need God's word to pierce through our defenses because we know that sin is deceitful. There's a reason I started reading chapter 3 where verse 12 is. Right, look at verse 12. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today. Why? So that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And this is the kind of passage that forces you to be really humble and honest because we all know that sin is deceitful and we all know that we are easily deceived. Sin will turn us away from God. It will show us. It will lead us to wander and die in the desert of unbelief. And so we desperately need God's word. The word of God is living and active and pierces our hearts and grips the pleasant mask off the ugly face of sin. We sin because we are deceived. We start believing the lies of sin instead of the promises of God. Sin whispers through the desires of the flesh. Sin whispers that you need to lie to protect yourself, that you should pursue that affair because your happiness is more important than your marriage, that you should be bitter and, and nitpicked about your husband's failures and weaknesses. After all, there is all. It whispers that it's okay for you to be idle, be lazy, let time pass you by. Sin whispers that you're constant complaining about your boss, your pastor, or your president. They're all justified. They deserve it. Every single one of these things is a lie. And there are countless more we believe because of the deceitfulness of sin and the weaknesses of our own hearts. And far too easily, those lies can work their way into our hearts, and our hearts become hardened in unbelief. And this is not a warning against losing our salvation. We know this is impossible, but rather it's a warning against unbelief. that can easily be masked by half-hearted repentance and our obedience. And Hebrews contains some of the strongest warnings against those who are hardened by sin and indifferent to the glories of Christ. And gosh, I think we have some points on the screen, but uh, Hebrews 6 tells us, for it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, and have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God 
then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. And so warning against those who taste of the goodness of Jesus Christ and who then turn back to the false glories of the world and say, no, this is better. And they reject Christ, crucifying him all over again. And this indifference to the glory of God is all a result of the deceitfulness of sin. Since deceitfulness will leave us there and indifferent to God and salvation, and we will drift to destruction. He has given us his word, he calls us 
treasure and to trust in his word to pierce through our spirits, to sustain us as we strive to enter God's presence. So turn from the deceitfulness of sin and trust in the precious promises of God. As you do, you will be free of sin's deceitful burden, and you will strive for God's rest with joy and God's promises. So I hope this encourages you to treasure God's word as we enter the new year. As we as we close, I wanted to give a couple practical encouragement for those who struggle reading God's word, or perhaps uh, those of you who try regularly to read God's word, perhaps find it difficult. Um, I've been there uh, for so much of my life. I struggle to regularly read God's word, and so. Um, I just want to give a couple of big things that have helped me love God's Word more. And the first one is pray. Whether you've read your Bible regularly for years, or whether you don't know the last time you woke in the Bible, pray for your one time in God's Word. Pray that God will help you treasure His Word. Pray that God will Thank you. 
Your time in God's Word should lead you to prayer. And your time in prayer should lead you to God's Word. And all of this is the Holy Spirit of work with you. So pray. And second, very practically, be accountable. Be accountable. Read plans help. I, I don't know that I've ever met anyone who faithfully read their Bible and didn't have some kind of structure reading plan. I'm sure those people exist. I've just never met them. That I know of. What I have seen is people like me who used to stay at regularly reading the Bible and used the structure reading plan that had assigned scripture readings every day and who saw wonderful fruit from following that reading plan. Now don't let these plans be a tyranny. If you miss a day because everything was crazy or because you just didn't want to read, wake up the next day and read your Bible. Okay? Don't feel like you have to make up those things. Just read your Bible. It turns out that Bible reading plans are incredibly helpful even if you miss 10 or 20 or 50 days. In this year, you read your Bible 100 days. And you follow a plan to read your Bible next year, and you only follow your Bible reading plan 200 days, praise God. That's twice as often that God's living and active word pierced your heart, pierced your sin to seekfulness, and help you press on. Praise God.
Kineo. Make sure to thank Kineo for his time preparation preach. Hear this from Psalm 20. It's the same as the call to worship. As we finish this morning to the year. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of God, may the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and regard you with favor your heart sacrifice. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation. And in the name of our God, set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. 